Good evening. This is Leanne Moonraven, and welcome to a special evening at the Carmen Online Theater Group's presentation of The Chronicles of Terror. Tonight's presentation, Buried Alive, will begin in a moment. But first, I'd like to introduce you to tonight's show sponsor, Paul Sampson and Knight of the Templar. Knight of the Templar is an independent film written, directed, and produced by Paul Sampson. Also starring Norman Reedus, Udo Kier, Billy Drago, and in his last performance, the legendary David Carradine. Sit back and listen to the trailer, and then enjoy Buried Alive. Here tells a tale of passion, loyalty, deceit, betrayal, and revenge. Seven hundred years have passed. The ordained time will soon be upon us. It will be your duty to reunite their kindred spirits. In 1307 AD, Lord Morris McGurk Gregoire of Reading was betrayed by a greedy band of Templar knights. They stabbed him in the back for riches of gold. Gregoire, it is time for you to die. So be it, but I will come for you. All of you. With his dying breath, Lord Gregoire vows revenge. He allows them ten lifetimes of excess and returns 700 years later as Jake McAllister to exact revenge upon their kindred spirits. Hello. Written and directed by Paul Sampson, Knight of the Templar also stars Norman Reedus of The Walking Dead, Udo Kier of Blade, Billy Drago of The Untouchables, and in his last performance, the legendary David Carradine. This is a one-of-a-kind independent film destined to be a cult classic. Visit knightofthetemplar.com to see the trailer and to purchase your copy of this unique film via iTunes or other retail outlets. Knight, that's N-I-G-H-T, Knight of the Templar. Buy it today. I've waited 700 years for this moment. I'm going to come with my sword. I promise. Not quite taken, but why do you have to be so mean about it? Welcome to the Chronicles of Terror. Tonight's show is adapted from the original radio theater play titled Alive at the Grave, which aired on November 30th, 1964 as part of the series The Creaking Door. The Carmen Online Theater Group is proud to present Buried Alive, written by Leanne Moonraven. The Cemetery Caretaker and the ashen-faced, trembling man make an odd pair as they stand by an open grave under a pale moon. In the grave itself is a coffin. The lid has been pried open, and inside lays the corpse of a middle-aged man. The caretaker, no stranger to weirdos, gives the other man a rather stern warning. Oh yeah, I heard about guys like you. Grave robbers, taggers, ghost hunters, creeping around cemeteries. Yeah, but I never thought I'd come across one. But I, uh... Look, pal, I already called the cops, so don't try nothing stupid or I'll thump you good with my nightstick. Don't let my good looks fool you. I'll kick your ass any day, all day, every day. You hear me? But you don't understand. 
I'm trying to save his life, and now it's too late. Don't give me none of that crap. This man was given a decent burial, and you've gone and desecrated it. Desecrated, you say? Isn't it desecration to bury a man while he's still alive? What? What are you talking about? Look at you. I don't even know what to make of you. Are you homeless, stupid, or just plain old crazy? What do you mean? What's wrong with me? I seen you earlier and I watched you because you look like a creep. A perv or something. I didn't know what you was doing at this poor bastard's burial. Sir, please, I... Something told me you was up to no good. I seen you and I'm glad I did. The cops are on the way, so you just stay back like I said or I'll thump your skull but good. But I'm trying to tell you something. This man shouldn't have had a burial. He shouldn't have been buried at all. I could have saved him. You better think up a good story. Breaking open a coffin like that. I knew you up to some, but I never thought. I was afraid to say anything before. I let him get buried for 350 bucks. And now he's dead. Hey, psycho. You come out of the loony bin or something? Now that I get a better look at you, you don't look like no grave robber. You just look nuts. I'm not crazy. Listen to me, sir. Please. Why are you doing this? Who's this dead guy to you? He's nobody to me. Except, well, I'm responsible for his death, and he is dead. I touched him. He's cold. As cold as death. Nah, can't be. They don't stay warm long, you know. He's only been in the ground for a few hours, so he can't be that cold. Because let me tell you, sometimes we get a court order saying we got to dig him up, and you'd be surprised how cold they get after they've been down there for a while. He's dead, though, isn't he? I brought this mirror with me. There's no breath. Look. <laughs> I don't have to look. He's been down in the city morgue for two days, and he's been given a poor man's burial because ain't nobody come to claim him. Now look, I want to go home. So what's this all about? He was as dead as a doornail when they buried him, no matter what you say. Maybe when they buried him, but not when the ambulance took him to the morgue. I know it. And just how do you know? Was he a relative of yours? No. I didn't even know this man existed until two days ago. Say what? I've been roaming around looking for work anywhere I can get it. I haven't been able to find anything and I knew my wife would be pissed off again. So I didn't want to go home. That is, if you can call that one room Carla and I live in a home. I can still hear the things she shouted at me as I left there. That's it, Brian. I'm at the end of my rope. I've pawned everything. Look, look, even the wedding ring you slipped on my finger in the church that day seems a million years ago. Now, what was it he said? Huh? Oh, yeah, I remember. <clears throat> and all thy worldly goods. Ha! That's a laugh. You were going to share all your worldly goods, were you? Well, if you don't get some money or a job, I'm walking out on you. Do you hear? I'm walking out on you, and I'm going to live with my sister. At least I'll get warmed up and fed three square meals a day. Huh. Just like they do in prison. Prison, Brian. That's what I feel like. Like I'm in prison. Oh, don't say that, Carla. Please. Is it my fault I got sick and couldn't work at the factory anymore, huh? Is it? I tried, baby. I really have. Everywhere I go, they look at me and say, not hiring. Well, it's not my fault either. I'm warning you, Brian. I can't take much more of this. 
I know, honey, I know. I I'll get something today. I promise. You better. I deserve better than this. We deserve better than this. I knew it wasn't a promise I couldn't keep. Oh, yeah. I pounded the pavements all right. Watching people pass by with dislike and fear in their eyes. Fear that one day they might become like me. And then I saw him. I was coming up on Matthew's Road and there was nothing on either side of the street except a huge brick wall. He was a little short fat man. Our steps synced as I started following him. Then he stopped all of a sudden. What was he stopping for? Was he scared? Did he think I was a mugger or something? In all honesty, I guess I did look like something that had crawled out of a rat hole. Hey, mister! Are you alright? No answer. No movement. I'm thinking, nah, he can't be. He's just passed out. Yeah, only he wasn't breathing. I wondered who he was. I thought he must have had a ID or something on him. So I looked in his pocket for a wallet and found all this money. 350 bucks. Then I realized that I better call the cop, but... Well, if you don't get some money or a job, I'm walking out on you. Do you hear me, Brian? I'm walking out. There's nothing anyone can do for this guy now, right? I mean, he was dead. They'd find him soon enough, so I split. I walked away and left him there on the sidewalk with the first decent money I had in months. Never even looked back at the poor bastard. Carla, look! What is it, Brian? <gasps> Brian! You got some money! Oh, yeah, baby! 350 bucks! Brian! Honey! How'd you get this money? Wait. Hold on. You didn't go and do something silly, did you? Just like what? Rob a bank! I wouldn't know where to start. But how did you get it? You'll never believe it. Remember I told you when I was in the hospital? There was a guy named Ted Brown and that we had the same lung problem. Yeah? Well, I, uh, I kind of lent him $25. What? You lent him what? We don't have money for ourselves. Carla, and... I was still on workers' comp. Just be quiet and let me tell the story. Well, go on then. What about this, this Ted Brown? Well, I met him on the street and he said he'd been looking for me everywhere. So, you know, he could pay me back. Mm -hmm. Go on. Well, we went to a bar to have a drink and Ted knew a bucky there who gave us a tip on a 50 to 1. I won, Carla. I won $350. Oh my God, really? $350? Oh my God, I love you. Carla brought groceries and a couple six-packs with our windfall. I sat on the bed and had a further look at the wallet I snatched. Having taken the money out, I thought it'd be empty. Inside, there were two pockets with plastic windows. The first one held a card that said Malcolm Gregory, 3814 Chapel Road, Crownsburg. The other had a plain white card with strange words printed on it that read, I am not dead, 
I have a form of cataleptic illness which may appear to cause death. If I am found, please inform Dr. Alfred Miller, 202-555-6641. What? No. No, 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 no. He can't be not dead. Cataleptic. Oh, my God. What have I done? What have I done? They'll think he's... Uh, I've got to call them. But, but, but then Carlo will wonder where I've gone and I've given all my money. Oh, shite. Hey, lover. Take these bottles from me, will you? Brian, what is it? You look funny. What time is it? I don't know for sure, but if I had to, I'd guess around six-ish. Why? Uh, look, babe. I've got to run out for a little while. Go ahead and start dinner. I won't be long. Why is it? I thought we'd have a drink before dinner. I, I just have to uh, run an errand. You're not going gambling, are you, Brian? You didn't catch the numbers bug, did you? No, Carla. I'm not gambling. Look, I'll be back in a little while. Well, don't forget, we've got all these bills to pay. Don't go out and spend all that money, Brian. We need it. I know, love. I know. Well, I'll be back in a little while, I promise. If you say so, I guess. It's all right, love. Kiss me. Would I be too late? Maybe I should call first. Would they bury this poor guy without knowing he was a cataleptic, thinking he was dead? Yeah, let me call the doctor's office number that's on the card in the wallet. Hello? Can I speak to Dr. Miller, please? Dr. Miller's been gone for the past six weeks. He's out of the country. Out of the country? Oh, boy. Um, are you covering his practice while he's gone? No, no, I'm not a doctor, but if you need one, you could try googling one from your area. No, no, it's not that. Do you know which hospital Dr. Miller works at? I'm sorry, I can't help you. Wait, I, I, I just need I to... I have to go. My wife is shouting. Dinner's on the table. Sorry. Wait! Hello? Hello? Suddenly, another thought stepped into my brain. As a groundskeeper shoveled dirt into a long wooden box in a hole six feet deep, there was a man inside. A man who was being buried alive. There must be a Gregory family around here somewhere. Let me Google it and see. Yeah, there were Gregory families nearby. Fourteen to be exact, and everyone on the list was not only still alive, but they were pretty damned bad-tempered as well. I systematically called every single one of them on the list, starting from the bottom and working my way up. No, I don't have any relatives who suffer from a cataleptic illness. Can't help you, bud. Try some other Gregories. I already have. You're the last one on the list. Charles Gregory. Well, it ain't me, 
can't help you. Great. Now what? Well, I'll just go waltzing into the police station and say, Hi, you fellas. Looky here. I just stole a dead man's wallet. And the gravedigger is probably shoveling the poor smug's coffin six feet under even as I speak. Yeah, okay. They'll love that. <sighs> what do I do? I'll sleep on it and come up with something in the morning. <laughs> sleep, yeah. That's a laugh. They're putting me in a wooden box and it's your fault, Brian Beavers. I'm struggling to breathe and they're going to bury me. Bury me deep. Deep! But Brian, not deep enough to keep me from getting to you. Do you hear me? Get me out of this box or I will make you suffer. Here on Earth, and in the afterlife. Well, well, well. Brian Beavers had better do something quick, or the poor, unfortunate, cataleptic guy, who's about to take a permanent dirt nap, will be stiff as a board pretty soon. You're listening to the Carmen Online Theatre Group's presentation of The Chronicles of Terror. Tonight's show is adapted from the original radio theatre play titled Alive at the Grave, which aired on November 30th, 1964, as part of The Creaking Door. We proudly present Buried Alive, written by Leanne Moonraven. So then, let's see what Brian decides to do as our story continues. I still didn't know what to do. It had been less than six hours since I seen that guy fall down. Maybe he was still there. Maybe if I went back to Matthew's Road, he was still lying there. Uh, Brian? Yeah, babe, it's just me. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to wake you. It's the middle of the night, honey. Where are you going? I'll be right back. I won't be long. Excuse me? But what? You're not going anywhere in the middle of the night. What are you up to? Huh, Brian? Nothing. I swear. Honey, I know I've been nagging you about getting a job, but it was only because I love you. Otherwise, you... Hey, wait a minute. Brian Beavers, are you seeing another woman? Because if you are, I will... No, Carla. Stop it. It isn't that at all. What is it then? Why are you acting so weird? All right, honey. I'll tell you. Then you'll understand. So I told her. Everything. The whole story from how I robbed a man I thought was dead to a corpse that had no use for the $25 in his wallet. So, you see, babe, I have got to find him. Or at least find out where they've taken him. They'll think he's dead, Carla. Oh, God, Brian, really? Somebody's probably found him by now. He's probably lying in bed, fast asleep. People who have these sorts of fits, these conditions, they always recover. No, uh, they don't. After I found all the Gregories I could, I went online and I looked up this uh, cataleptic disease thing. Uh, 
Unless they get help, they can stay that way for days. Do you know what that means, Carla? What, Brian? What does it mean? It means that by then, they will have buried him. And do you know what that makes me? A murderer, that's what. I'm letting a man die for 25 bucks. Honey, what if you call down to the police station and tell them, Oh, you can't do that, can you? They'll call you a thief and put you away. Yeah, now you're starting to get it. Okay, that's it. I'm going to get dressed and come with you. Where did you say it was? Matthews Road? I should have worn a thicker sweater. It's cold out here. Brian, you'd better pray he's still there. He might have died because nobody paid attention for him. So let's pray that someone saw him and took him to the hospital when they realized he wasn't... wasn't dead. Shh. There's a cop coming this way. Just great. Evening, folks. Bit nippy out here this time of the morning, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Excuse me, officer. Uh, my friend Melissa told me there was a big commotion over on Matthews Road a few hours ago. Did something happen over there? Yeah, just before I came on duty. The butcher was closing up shop and saw a guy lying in the road. Almost like roadkill. He's dead as a doornail. <gasps> dead? Are they sure he's dead? Uh, yeah, I'm sure. Dead. At least that's what the paramedics said when they got on the scene. Why? You know something about it? No, sir. We don't know anything about it. It was just that we wondered if it was anyone we knew, that's all. Ah, well, I think they've already identified the body. If you go inside the station, they may be able to tell you in there. Depends, though. You'll have to ask. Hmm. Well, I don't think it's anyone we know, sir. Come on, love. It's too cold to stand here chattering. Let, let's go up to bed. You two married? Yes, sir. <laughs> We're practically newlyweds, officer. <laughs> Well then, you two should have been in bed ages ago. Good night. Or rather, good morning. Let's go to the police station. No, are you nuts? You'll have to tell them about the wallet. Besides, that cop doesn't really know anything. But Carla... It's no good, Brian. We're going home. Come on. Carla and Brian go back home, warm up, and go to bed but neither sleeps very well. After tossing and turning for a few hours, they finally give up and get out of bed and have breakfast. More coffee? No, thanks. I'll, I'll just have a bowl of cereal and some toast. <sighs> okay. Come up with any ideas? Look, baby. Look, it's no good. We've got to go to the cops. We're committing murder by not going. It's been two days now. I didn't sleep a wink all night. Yeah, I know. You kept me awake too with all your tossing and turning. Yeah, must have been as bad as your snoring. <laughs> I kept having nightmares though, honey. I, I, I kept on hearing Gregory's voice pounding in my brain. He told me to save him before it's too late and that he'd come back and haunt me through all eternity if I don't. You are the only one who can save me, Beavers. They're burying me this afternoon. Do you hear me? They are putting me in a coffin and covering me with dirt. 
If you allow this to happen, you are a murderer, Brian. A murderer. Do you hear me? You will be punished. Punished. Punished! Oh, I'm going to come and get you, Beavers. Coming to get you. He kept saying, I'll be punished. But you said yourself it was only a nightmare. It seems so real, though, Carla. All right, don't you go then. I will. I'll say that I knew... What was his name? Gregory. Malcolm Gregory. Okay. So I'll say I know him and that he's a cataleptic. That's it. I'll go and... Hello? Excuse me? Yeah? Oh, hello. Aren't you the woman I saw down Matthews Road? Oh, yeah, that's right. We were talking about someone who had dropped dead that afternoon. Yeah, thought I recognized you. What can I do for you? Everything okay with you two lovebirds? <laughs> yeah, we're great. Um, look, I'm so glad you're here. I was wondering if you were able to identify that man. Yes, we were. Why? What's he to you? I used to say that before. I just came to tell you that he's not really dead, you know. He's a cataleptic. A cata-what? A, a, a cataleptic. It's, it's a disease that, that just makes you look like you're dead, but you aren't. Look, lady, don't be funny. He's over in the Faulkner Mortuary right now. They're burying that poor man this afternoon. He died of cardiac failure. This right here is the release for the body, so we can be buried. Look here, see? It's been signed by the coroner, Dr. Herbert Spencer. Oh. So he may have been a cataleptic. I don't know nothing about that, but he died of heart failure. He's going to be buried in a pauper's grave at McKenzie Cemetery this afternoon. Well, I... I... <laughs> Didn't die of heart failure. Sure. Not dead. Ha! <laughs> well, yeah, maybe I am being silly. <laughs> Thank you, officer. <laughs> Goodbye. Carla excitedly exits the police station and hurries home to give Brian the goods and let him know their troubles are over. Unfortunately, Brian isn't so convinced. So the cop says the guy is most certainly dead. The death certificate was signed by the coroner. What does that cop know about cataleptics? Look, babe, I'm going to stop that burial tomorrow. I just can't sit around here anymore not doing anything while that guy gets put in the ground. You can't. You just can't. Once you tell the police about the wallet... Carla, I'm the one who's going to come back and haunt for all eternity. Me, not you. I'll be back. Where are you going, Brian? I don't know, Carla. Out. Out where? You're scaring me. To get drunk. Will you be back soon? I don't know. I don't know anything anymore. Even the icy froth of my favorite dark beer went sour in my mouth. It's because I bought it with blood money. The blood of Malcolm Gregory. I couldn't stand my own company, so I paid for the suds and left. I walked and, and, and talked to myself. They were burying Gregory in a pauper's grave, were they? 
I'd see about that. I, I, I didn't tell my feet to move toward the cemetery, but suddenly they no longer seemed to belong to me. When I got there, I saw a minister, a gravedigger, and an old man. Obviously the caretaker and the police sergeant. I wanted to shout at them. No, don't, don't put him in that grave. He's not dead. He's alive. But, but I, I just couldn't. Those stripes on the cop's sleeve seem to represent the number of years I would get for stealing and withholding information about the victim. So, like the coward I am, I ran from the cemetery, just like I would be while running from the vengeance of Malcolm Gregory's ghost. Brian, you're back. I was so worried. Are you okay, babe? They finally buried him. Carla, I stood there and watched them put him in the ground in a cheap wooden coffin. Maybe it's a good thing the coffin was a cheap one so the coffin maker could get it and put L's in it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's it. <laughs> Maybe be able to breathe. Brian. Three hundred and fifty bucks, Carla. For less than five hundred dollars, I've turned myself into a murderer. <laughs> And, and I let you in on it too. They, they will say that you're part of the conspiracy. <laughs> oh, God. God. to you what have I done to us nothing Brian honey look you haven't done anything to us okay so you plucked his wallet when we were both desperate and starving so what big deal they can't charge you with murder for that seriously stop it he's down there struggling for breath isn't he but hey he won't be struggling for long I don't know anything about catalepsics, but you can't be nailed inside a coffin underneath six feet of dirt for too long. I mean, look out the window. It's gotten dark already. It's winter, Brian. That's why. I know where the grave is, Carla. I'm going back. Dark outside, be damned. Brian, please. You can't stop me. I'm going back, and I'm going to get him out that grave. I've got to, baby. Please, please try to understand. Okay, but I want to come with you. At least let me do that. No, no, I couldn't bear that. I've got to do this on my own. Don't leave me here to worry alone, Brian. Suppose... 
Just suppose he's too heavy for you. You're not strong enough to carry him by yourself. Carla, I'm not sure they didn't take much trouble with him. It's not like he's even getting a proper burial. I wonder if they were even able to contact any of his relatives. I couldn't, and then his doctor being out of the country. Poor bastard. What? What can I do to help then? Can you go get my chlorama out of the drawer? I'll need it to pull the nails out of the coffin, so I'll be able to get it open. Oh, and uh, that piece of mirror over there. Sure, honey, I'll go get it for you. Here, I hope you're right and in, in that you know what you're doing. It's the only way, honey. The only way. This is it, so I'm going. Be careful, please. I will. And remember, no matter what happens, I love you. I love you too. And that's how I ended up here. But obviously I'm too late. He's dead all right. Damn, mister. I wouldn't want to be in your shoes, not for nothing. Wait a second. Hold on a minute. What'd you say this guy's name was? Gregory. Malcolm Gregory. <laughs> oh, no, it ain't. Huh? This dude's name is Sidney Frazier. Are you sure he's the guy you're looking for? Positive. I know it's the same guy. I can't close my eyes without seeing his face staring at me, accusing me, threatening to haunt me forever. Oh, bro, come over here with me and have a look. We don't give these poor bastards who can't paint nothing a real tombstone because it's too expensive, you know? Oh, look, uh, right over here, it says, Sidney Frazier, born February 6th, 1973, died January 11th, 2016. I told you everything, mister. Well, obviously, they gave him the wrong name. Well, you better tell it to the detective who's handling the case. Hey, look, buddy, I'm sorry about calling the cops, but I warned you. I used to be a Golden Gloves champ back in the day, but now I'm just a busted up old man. When I see you open in that grave, I called 5-0. It's okay. Almost a relief in a way. What's going on? Somebody here called the police? Oh. Hey, it's you again. What are you doing out here in a cemetery? Evening, officer. I... Uh, I... Your wife was at the police station this morning with some nonsense about... Uh, are you digging up a grave? Well, um... There's something fishy going on with you. When I told my sergeant that your wife came in with some crazy story about us getting ready to bury a cataleptic who's really not dead, Sarge damn near strangled her. Why? He said I should have gotten her ID and charged both of you for being public nuisances. Uh, I'm sorry, officer. I, I, I'm confused. Public nuisances? I, I don't understand. Look here. This fellow in the coffin, Sidney Fraser, has had heart trouble for years. He's been in and out of hospitals most of his life. Most of them being prison hospitals. What? Sergeant kept warning Sidney to straighten his life up and fly right, seeing he didn't have long to live. Then your wife comes in with a story about how we're about to bury a guy alive like we didn't know who we were dealing with. Sidney Fraser. Now, in his day, Sid was the finest pickpocket in Crownsburg. Pickpockets? Did you say pickpockets? Yeah, damn thief. Never was gonna change. So anyway, 
The other day we got a complaint from Mr. Malcolm Gregory that someone had stolen his wallet. It says the perp mugged him at the bus stop and started running. And Gregory's description, we knew right away it was Sid. <laughs> oh my god! Oh my <laughs> He picked Malcolm's pocket! It wasn't a catalyptic! <laughs> It was a pit pocket! Oh my god! Wait until I tell Connor! She's gonna love this! <laughs> you better pull yourself together and tell me what you're doing out here and why this grave is open. <laughs> that's alright, officer. My buddy here got a bit mixed up, that's all. I opened the grave to show him he was mistaken. Oh, is that so? Why did you call and say there was a suspect lurking around in the cemetery then? Oh, that guy. Well, uh, he ran off when this, uh, my buddy showed up. Must have scared him off. Right? Buddy? Oh, yeah. That's right, buddy. <laughs> I seemed I was mistaken. That's all, officer. In fact, we were both mistaken. Weren't we, buddy? <laughs> Pick pockets. <laughs> Cataleptics. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what's that? Well, well, well. Someone should have told Brian Beavers that lifting wallets is a most grave offense. <laughs> In fact, it is likely to incur a most stiff penalty. Thank you for listening to Carmen Online Theater Group and the Chronicles of Terror. Tonight's show was adapted from the original radio theater play titled Alive at the Grave, which aired on November 30, 1964, as part of the series The Creaking Door. Buried Alive was written and produced by Leanne Moonraven. Starring James J. Bryan as Brian, Leanne Moonraven as Carla, Jim Danatelli as the caretaker, William D. Prystock as the cop, and Joshua Chitty as Malcolm Gregory. Visit our website www.carmentheateronline.com for other program schedules and join us each and every Thursday at 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time for the Carmen Online Theater Group's original audio horror series, The Burbs. I'm Sierra Tier. Thank you and good night. I'm Leanne Moonraven. Once again, I'd like to thank you for listening to this edition of the Chronicles of Terror presented to you by the Carmen Online Theater Group and our sponsor, Paul Sampson and Knight of the Templar. Be sure to pick up your copy of this one-of-a-kind independent film available at knightofthetemplar.com. That's N-I-G-H-T, knightofthetemplar.com. Just a reminder, be sure to tune in next week, February 11th, for the return of the Burbs in Season 3. Mark your calendars. We look forward to seeing you in Clarington. On behalf of the entire cast and crew of the Carmen Online Theater Group, thank you and good night.